Part Seven of Alador by Henry Newbolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters nineteen to twenty-one. Chapter nineteen: How Ewan spoke with the Prince of Palador, and how he took upon him three adventures. So when he had met with Sir Reynold, they two went up together into the great guard, and when they came therein. Ewan perceived that Morris had told him truth, for the house was high and wide and full of great chambers, and in no way fit to be the dwelling of a man, save he were of a bigness beyond all other. Also he saw that the farther from the gate, the taller were all those on whom he came, and it seemed to him as though he also took some change thereby, for when he had been brought into the chamber that lay before the chamber where the prince was, then he began to doubt of his own stature, and his bones became shrunken, and his sinews weak within him. Then came lords unto Ewan and unto Sir Reynold, and put robes upon them, and so led them in. And when they were come in, they found the prince at play, sitting upon the floor at the chamber, and beside him upon the floor were a multitude of toys, fashioned after the likeness of men-at-arms and he made them go hither and thither as he would, so that it was a marvel to behold. And when he saw Ewan and Sir Reynold, he ceased not from his playing, but he called to them lightly to come on, and take their share in his pastime. And Ewan wondered, and looked hard at him, for the words were the words of a child, but he that spoke them was by all seeming a man of forty year. Then, at the last, when he had done with his playing, the prince came to his feet, and he was nothing terrible, for all his bigness. Neither was he a child, no, not by some deal, for he asked such questions as they ask, that have seen the manner of men and of women also. But he said not many things of his own, nor new things in any sort, and it was plain to see that his bonds wearied him. And Ewan also they wearied, for he could not choose but watch them glittering upon the prince, so that he seemed to bear the burden of them himself. Then the prince brought him to a window that looked upon the city, and he asked Ewan whether it were in his mind to stay in Palador, or to go from thence shortly. Then Ewan remembered his lady Enya, and he answered quickly that if it pleased the prince he was minded to stay. And the prince was pleased thereat, and he said that he looked for Ewan to take upon him certain adventures for so did all those that had so much of skill and fortune. And Ewan answered yea, for he loved this prince, and thought no evil of him, but he knew not of what adventures he would speak. Then the prince looked at him pleasantly, and he considered a little, as a man considers of diverse meats upon the board, every one of them sweet to his tooth. Then he named to Ewan three several adventures that he would have him take upon himself and he named the first thereof the adventure of the chess and the second the adventure of the howling beast and the third he named the adventure of the castle of maidens then it seemed to ewan as though his stature had returned to him and he answered lightly that he would take upon him these adventures and that forthwith and the prince gave him leave to depart and said how that he had done well and should yet do better and this also was Ewan's thought within himself. But in the same moment he looked upon the face of Sir Reynold, and he saw it as the face of a fox, 
well pleased with the cunning that he has practised. Chapter 20 Of the Adventure of the Chess, and by what means Ewan brought his men into obedience. So within a while came letters to Ewan, appointing him a day for the adventure of the chess. And on the day appointed, he looked forth from his house, and saw how there stood before the door a company of the great ones, and they called to him courteously, and showed him a horse that was made ready for him. And when he came out to them, they let cover him with a cloak of silver and blue, and they gave him for his head a cap of silver with a plume of blue, and he perceived that his horse was furnished in the like colours. Then they brought him to the gate of the city that looked toward the south, and one of them told him by what way he should go, and how it behoved him to come before noon to the castle of the chess, and so prove the adventure. Also another of them cast a baldric and a horn about his neck, and said how that without doubt it should fortune to him as he should deserve. And if so be that he achieved the adventure, then when he came again, he should come blowing upon the horn, that his friends might make ready betimes to meet him. And some there were that laughed thereat, and among their faces Ewan saw the face of Sir Reynold. Then he set forth, and he rode at an easy pace, for the morning was yet hoar with the dew of night and the gossamer upon the grass. And when he had passed over the high land that was before the city, he came to a river, and forded it, and so took the forest, and went by a green road therein. And before noon he was aware of a castle that stood above the forest, and he entered in at the gate of it, and came to the hall, and alighted down from off his horse. And he marvelled at the manner of the castle, for he found none there to stay or to speed him, neither in the gatehouse, neither within guard. Yet was the hall well kept and furnished, with meat and drink on table, and new rushes thereunder. Also there was a great bell above that sounded to dinner without hand or rope, so that it was easy to perceive that the place was enchanted by sorcery. Now when Ewan had well dined, he fell into a study, not knowing what more he was to do, and as he studied, he heard a noise without the hall, but of what the noise might be he could not tell, for it was faint as wind or water. So he arose and went into a bay window that was beside the high table, and there was a great lattice there which stood wide open, and he came to it and looked out. And he saw there a courtyard that lay beneath the window, and the floor of it was checky sable and white, after the fashion of the tables of chess, whereby he knew that he was come to his adventure. And thereby also he perceived the meaning of the noise that he heard, for even as he looked, there came out of a cloister two companies apparelled after the fashion of the chess, pawns and bishops and the like, on this side and the other, and they of the other side were all in cloth of gold with red borgias. But they of the side that was Ewan's were all in cloth of silver with bordures of blue, and of the rustling of the cloth of gold and of silver came that noise aforesaid, and other noise was there none but that only, and the sound of it was like the whispering of the wind in an ambush. Then Ewan looked to see who was he that should play with him, and he saw how that beyond the chequer there was a window opened, over against the window wherein he stood, and in that window was a shadow, and in the shadow 
a semblance like to the semblance of a man but between the windows came the sunlight broad upon the chequer and for the glare of it he had no certainty of that which was within the shadow then he saw that the two companies were all in order arrayed upon the chequer and the game awaiting for him and he thought how he would send his pawn forward according to the usage but he spoke no word as yet for he had no desire to hear his own voice in that place nevertheless the pawn moved as he would have it and immediately a pawn of the gold moved also to meet him whereby ewan perceived that the manner of the game was not by speaking but by thinking and when he thought again to command a piece then that piece also moved according to his thought thus began the playing upon this side and upon that and in the beginning ewan had the advantage and he looked presently to have the mastery but the way thereto was long and tangled and the end fell suddenly into doubt for when the time of the stroke was come ewan perceived that either his remembrance had failed him in strange wise or else that he had been undone by a knight of his for whereas by his intention the knight should have been upon the sable now he was found upon the white and so out of distance for the stroke then was ewan in great peril but he fought warily to recover his game and rebutted stoutly and so came again into good hope but with the misadventure and the doubt and with the slowness of the playing the day was well-nigh passed over and the shadow of the battlements crept softly upon the chequer then the sun fell more quickly to the high tower of the castle and was gone behind it suddenly and a little wind stirred in the coldness of his going and ewan saw how the wind caught the gold and silver pieces as it were in a whirlpool and it carried them away under the cloister wherefrom they had issued and they went after the manner of dead leaves rustling and eddying by no motion of their own and he marvelled greatly thereat for he had supposed them to be men like himself but now he doubted then he went to sup and to sleep and found all things made ready as before but the silence of the place choked him and the solitariness lay deathwardly upon his spirit yet he remembered how he had that day been near to win his game and he thought well to amend it on the morrow and give mate before the time of sunset but therein his hope deceived him for again on the morrow his fortune was at odds with his force and when he came to make his stroke he was undone by the transgression of his men so that his battle was disordered until sunset and the wind right welcome to break off the game and when he thought thereon despair came upon him because he saw that the obedience of his company was not as the obedience of those others and when he came to his bed he lay long waking and he cast every way for counsel how he might make his thought to prevail more perfectly then in the last hour of the night he rose up out of his bed and came softly down into the cloister to see the truth of the companies for his mind was so busy that he could not sleep and when he was come down the day was breaking and he found the men all together the gold with the silver and they lay this way and that upon the stones of the cloister even as the wind had drifted them and by seeming they were light and hollow like the barren mast beneath a beech tree 
Then Ewan stood looking upon them, and as he looked the sun rose, and he saw a marvel, for with the sun rising their life came again into them, and they began to breathe and stir as men breathe and stir in their sleeping. Then he put forth his hand, and touched one and another of them, and when he had touched them all, he perceived that they of the gold party were every one ruddy and warm of flesh, but they of the silver were all white and cold as mushrooms. And in the same instant he knew the truth of their disobedience, for he said within himself, They fight in my quarrel, but the heat of my blood they lack. Right so he knew what he must do, and he took the hermit's knife that was about his neck, and loosed it from the sheath, and with the point of it he pierced his breast strongly, so that the blood came forth in good plenty, and the pain drew at the roots of his heart, and he came again to them of the silver company, and with his own blood he touched them upon the lips, until he had bebled them all. But the gold ones he touched not, for there was no need, and last of all he touched the queen, and she awoke and rose up, and looked upon him as with remembrance. And she put forth her hand in turn, and touched him upon the breast, and immediately the pain ceased, and the blood was stayed. And Ewan's heart trembled as she looked at him, for beneath her looks he saw his lady's image, as men see faces in the fire. But she let close her eyes again, and turned her from him, and so fell suddenly to her sleep. Then Ewan entered into great meditation, and continued long therein, so that he walked in meditation, and ate and drank the same to his dinner, and came unawares to the hour of the adventure. But when the pieces were now arrayed, and by his thought he began to move them upon the chequer, then he perceived that on this day the game was in his hand, for his men obeyed him, with so brisk obedience, that he saw them moving, before ever he knew that his will was set. Also they went no more from his intent, but kept his ordinance, and came altogether to the stroke, whereby the gold company were discomfited, and their king was both checked and mated. Then upon the instant came a wind and thunder and lightning, and Ewan's eyes dazzled therewith, and when he opened his eyes again, the castle was gone from him utterly, with the windows and the courtyard and the chequer, and he stood in a place of rocks upon a green mound of the forest, and there also he saw his horse beside him, saddled and bridled, and upon the saddle-bow two crowns, a gold and a silver, and he took the crowns and rode lightly towards the city, and when they of Palador heard his horn, they came forth to meet him, as they had said. Nevertheless, the most of them were astonished, and some displeased, for they looked not to have seen him again. And the gold crown they took for the prince, as reason was. But with the silver crown they crowned Ewan, and so brought him cityward. And as they went he fell aweary, and the sun set, and the night rose on Palador. CHAPTER Twenty One, OF THE ADVENTURE OF THE CASTLE OF MAIDENS, AND HOW EWEN WAS COUNSELLED TO ESCAPE THEREFROM. NOW FOR THIS ADVENTURE EWEN HAD GREAT HONOUR OF ALL THE COMMONS, FOR THERE WAS NO SORT OF FIGHTING THAT THEY DID NOT LOVE, AND THEY GAVE PRAISE ABOVE MEASURE TO HIM THAT COULD BRING MEN INTO HIS OBEDIENCE. 
wherefore they were not willing that ewan should meet as yet with the howling beast for by that adventure they had lost many that should have been great men for them so they went clamouring that he might be assigned a day for the castle of maidens for that was an adventure without pain and without peril as the most of them deemed howbeit others there were that thought otherwise then the prince consented to their clamour being counselled thereto by them of the tower for they looked to have ewan either this way or that and by favour first if it might be so but if not then by foul work as by the beast so on the third day they came again to ewan with smooth faces and they brought him forth to a great castle that was named the castle of maidens and it stood a three mile from the city in a meadow toward the sunrising and thither resorted all the lords of palador and great part of the commons by hundreds and by thousands and in the midst of them went ewan with the twenty more that were of his company and these were all young and lusty men of lineage and wealth sufficient and they took ewan for their captain and banneret so they came to the castle anon and found barriers thereby and lists set ready and ewan and his company went within the lists and against them there came forth as many others for to do battle with them but the custom was that they fought not with weapons of war but with spears of wood only for upon the walls of the castle were many maidens both young and old and though they might not all be young yet were they all too tender to look upon wounds and death and they were apparelled in hoods of clear colours right joyous and well beseen like flowers a row upon the wall and they ceased not from making a high sweet noise among themselves as it were the noise of swallows upon a ridge tile then ewan and his were armed and came riding merrily to tourney and they bestirred themselves in the best manner so that in one hour they had the castle yielden and in mercy for they that kept it fought but for the custom's sake and had no force to make good their keeping then when he had received the keys ewan entered into the castle with all his company and there the maidens unarmed them and brought them to hall that they might eat and drink and make ready to fulfil all the custom now the custom of the castle was this that whosoever should have the mastery thereof and enter as by conquest never might he and his depart again therefrom save first they should be wedded every man with a maiden of the castle and they were all both men and maids no better than blindfold for the manner of their wedding was by lot and when the time for the lotting was come the maidens sat together in a gallery among such as were of their blood and fellowship and they were all diversely clad in silken gear no two alike but every one of one only colour then they that had won the castle were brought in before them in coats of silk and the coats also were diverse and no two alike but every one of one only colour and the colours of the maidens and of the men were such as each one pleased according to their fantasy and the maidens knew not of the men nor they of the maidens how they would make the choice but when they came in presence if any were matched in their colours then those two were wedded together and so departed from the castle to their own place then when ewan heard tell of the custom he was vexed with indignation 
for he saw how he had been snared unwitting, and he went hither and thither, as it might be a young wolf raging in the net, but all the doors of the castle were barred and bolted, so that there was no escape. Then by chance he came upon an old dame that was there, within a little chamber alone, and he made excuse, and would have taken his leave of her, but she called to him and said, "'Good sir, what ails you?' And he answered her, "'Good madam, what think you? Shall a man be wedded by custom and by chance?' Then she said, "'So, so are the most of man wedded, but if you will verily, it may be that I shall help you therefrom.' "'Yea, verily,' said Ewan, "'for I am bounden otherwhere.' Then the old dame put forth her hand, and made to give him somewhat, and when he had handled it, he perceived that it was a silken coat, and the colour of it was of black, both within and without. And she said to him, Take this, and abide the lotment, for it is not to be heard of among a million of maidens, that any hath chosen black for her wedding. Then Ewan considered of her counsel, and saw that it was good, and though it had not been good, yet he could not better it. So he made to leave her, but first he thanked her heartily, and that old dame looked kindly upon him as with remembrance. And Ewan's heart trembled within him, for he saw beneath her looks the image of his lady, as beneath her many old faces may be seen the beauty that was there aforetime. So he went from her to abide the lotment, and as she had said, even so it was, for there was none among the maidens that had black to her colour. Then all were matched save Ewan, and he only was left there unmatched, so that every man might see how he had taken counsel to escape. And some said that he had not wholly achieved the adventure, and others said that he had achieved it twice over, for he had prevailed both without the castle and within. Howbeit they brought him forth with the rest that were all matched and wedded, and they came cityward with a great noise of shouting. And as they went, Ewan fell aweary of them and of their customs, and the sun set, and the night rose on Palador. End of part seven.